I'm Linda. And I'm Craig. And this is the Indie Travel Podcast at IndieTravelPodcast.com. It's episode 232 and we are back after a long, long time. Yes, very sorry for our uh, long and extended absence, but we have been walking a very long way. We walked about 1,000, 1,030 kilometers. Yeah. And uh, we did plan to have all the podcasts recorded and scheduled and up, but uh, due to unforeseen circumstances, it didn't actually happen. Yeah, I'm very excited to be back. I'm very excited about the uh, the coming months, this Northern Hemisphere summer, and uh, yeah, a lot, more, a lot more travel stories and a lot more podcasts. Yeah, it's going to be great. At the moment, we are in our brand new apartment. We actually have our own place. Can you believe it? I was telling someone that we were moving into our own place, and they said, no, I don't believe you. Now, I should uh, kind of clarify and say the apartment is not new it's rather old and it's not <laughs> ours it's actually our landlords that live below us Honestly, but Lind- linda's got the idea kind of kind of there we're in <laughs> in northern spain and we have rented an apartment slightly old very nice for the next three months and possibly longer we'll see how it goes so yeah we're very excited well let us tell you about what has uh, taken us away from you for so long but before we do that i want to say thanks to all of the people that kept coming to the website while we're away yeah it's great uh, we've still had two or three stories going live every week even though the podcasts have stopped the, yeah, that we did manage to get done the, the stories just kept going and there's also our travel diary from the last six weeks which is packed full of experience i guess yeah, so we've been, we've been publishing that with photos and everything, and I've been making a video of every week, but I only managed to get the first two ones up. So I'm going to be finishing the next ones, the, the other four weeks, uh, over the next couple of days, and hopefully get those up pretty soon. Yeah, so they'll be on uh, youtube.com slash Indie Travel Podcast. Are you going to put them on Facebook as well? Yeah, and I'll put them in the travel diaries. So if you go to IndieTravelPodcast.com slash Travel Diary and go to each entry, you'll be able oh, to see them as well. Sweet. As. Well, yeah, very excited to be back, and I hope you're excited to hear from us again. And uh, your <laughs> podcast software hasn't, hasn't uh, automatically unsubscribed us for not being, uh, not being here for so long. So, yeah, good to be back in your home, in your ears, in your car. Wherever you are. Yes. Anyway, so our story. Well, we walked the Via de la Plata, which is um, a pilgrimage walk to Santiago de Compostela, which is in northwestern Spain. You might have heard of the Camino de Santiago, which is the way of St. James. Well, the most popular one is uh, the Camino Frances, which goes across the north of Spain. But actually, there are lots of ways of St. James. Basically, the idea is walk to Santiago. And this is one of the ways you can if you start in Seville, which is in southern Spain. And that's what we did. We started in Seville and walked pretty much north, although sometimes northeast. Yeah, we, we, we had to kind of scout around the border with uh, Portugal rather than going direct. So uh, some days we walked 25 or 35 kilometers and we're actually further away from the destination than when we started. That always made me feel bad. Were we actually further away from the destination? Yeah, yeah. at times we walked so far east and not enough north and we actually got further away. That's depressing. <laughs> Well, it was excellent, and it was a great way for us to celebrate another momentous achievement, which was uh, staying married for 10 years. Yeah. That's, uh, <laughs> that's what kind of started everything off, I guess. We yeah. were thinking, what can we do to celebrate our wedding anniversary? A lot of people go out for a meal. Um, 
something unusual, maybe go on a holiday and travel a bit, which is something unusual. And uh, we were left scratching our heads because... Neither of those things are at all unusual for us. They're things that we do. Uh, We, you know, almost everything we own fits in our two backpacks. So ostentatious gifts, no, they just make things heavier. (laughs) Um, And so we were looking for a a special experience, something that would really stand out and... uh, help us spend a lot of quality time together so, so we if, thought, why not walk a thousand kilometers yeah and 40 days going through uh all sorts of challenges and and having some fun experience as well but certainly there was a lot of pain in there just <laughs> seemed like just the thing to to help us celebrate it was certainly see, memorable i can see why a lot of people wouldn't see how how that works <laughs> And I could also understand why a lot of people think we're kind of insane. But, uh, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was our first visit to Seville. And we flew in from London down to Seville. And that's where we started. We were couch surfing there for a few days with a, a really cool family. They were awesome. Um, yeah. Kind of the, the paragons of couch surfing, I think. That's awesome. Alfonso and Anna and the two kids were also called Alfonso and Anna. And the kids are, what, like six and four and they were mm. so cute and so well behaved and really wanted to spend time with us, you know. We were in high demand for yes. our game playing abilities. Yep. It was good. It was. It was good fun. And uh, yeah, so it was our first taste of Antalothea and a first taste of of that kind of I guess a lot of the stereotypes about Spain, things like flamenco and tapas and and all of that and bullfighting, they're all kind of in a way very simplistically from Seville like it's it's well, Seville, it's, it's Seville culture that's that's where flamenco started and became popularized but that's what people think of when they think of Spain it was definitely um, a very so, Spanish yeah. experience that we had there and it was nice and warm oh it was brilliant the, the oranges beginning to fruit on the trees yeah. and you know it, it felt very springtime and this was part of our cunning plan because we thought as we walked from south to north and as springtime kind of spreads away from the equator towards the poles, as we walk further and further north, it's going to get warmer and warmer, but it will never get too hot. And I that's important when you're walking. And we were right. It never got too hot. <laughs> we were wrong about the sun. <laughs> the, the first three weeks were good. I mean... It got colder as we got north, and so we started wearing our jackets. But we didn't have much rain. We had one day of rain. But then we hit the two, well, two of the largest cities of the route, which were Salamanca and Zamora. And as we were leaving Zamora, the rain started. Mm. And that was, I think, we had two and a half weeks to go at that point. So it was a six-week walk, and it rained every day after that, except for one. So the first three weeks, we had one day of rain. The last three weeks, we had one day of not rain. Yeah, we weren't too impressed with that, but yeah, I don't think we'd really taken into account the altitude because we climbed really high. We were up at what, 1,400 meters at one point, yeah, which is quite high, really. And so we had snow at one point. We had hail. It was it was an adventure. <laughs> yeah, it sure was. Um, well, let's talk a little bit about the route. I'm from the the route is based on an old Roman road which goes from Astorga, which. Um, isn't that far away from where we are now, down to Seville. And it was used by the Romans for transporting, well, everything, but uh, but tin especially. It was going from the tin mines to 
uh, to the city, out mm-hmm. to the ports and things like that. Uh, and also we passed a, a mine where they mined blue marble. So that beautiful Roman marble that you see, they were mining it along this route and then mm-hmm. taking it down to the river at Seville and, and transporting it away. Um, and so, yeah, so it's this big thoroughfare. It was used for military uses, but also heavily for trade and, and precious metals and, and other commodities. Yeah, and so a lot of the route is just straight along the Roman road. Yeah. You get to go over all sorts of cool old Roman bridges that are 2,000 years old, yeah. or almost, yeah. and still in really, really good condition. Yeah, some of them have been quite remodeled, and other ones obviously hadn't been, but they were still more than passable you know there were there were thousands of people a day walking over some of these bridges spanned big rivers Mm -hmm. and uh, just tiny but i think one of the ones that really caught my attention was a merida it was enormous and it was close to heavy traffic but people it was a a footbridge and it was amazing i just felt so happy arriving and seeing it and then walking across it It yeah like you were being part of history yeah yeah, for the first uh, four weeks, you're walking... Well, for the first couple of weeks, you're walking mainly north, and you're following this Roman road. So there's quite a few Roman ruins around mm-hmm. the place. I mean, in some parts, there's entire cities which have been abandoned, um, and, you know, there are archaeological parks. You can go and have a look. At other points, you're just seeing, I guess, remnants sticking up through a bit of farmland or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so you head north for a couple of weeks, um, going through places like Zafra, and um, then eventually you begin to to shift around a little bit, and you start heading northeast, and that's uh, probably about week four and week five. Uh, week Maybe four, you're hitting, uh, hitting those cities that Linda talked about before, Salamanca and Zamora. And then um, just a couple of days north of there, you've got two options. You can continue to follow this Roman road up north to Astorga, and at that point, you can join the Camino Frances uh, as it comes from the Pyrenees and Pamplona and heads west. And you can join up there and, and head west to Santiago. So you're basically going straight up, turn left. left. Turn. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, or you can do what we did, which was to go over the mountains on what's called the Camino Sanabres. And um, you're going over the Sanabrian mountains. And that, for me, those last 10 days to two weeks was was beautiful and, and what I look for in a hike. See, the problem with the Roman road is that it makes great sense to have it where it is and how it links up all of the cities. So when they built the modern motorway, they built it next to or on top of the Roman road. And so at times you're walking through beautiful pastoral farmland, um, you're going through oak forests and things like that, and oh my god, they have these pigs there and they feed them only acorns <laughs> for all of their life and then they make ham out of it and it is the most delicious ham you've ever eaten in your life. Um, so we're walking through these these oak forests, good use of that, um, and, and, and big stands of cork and things like that. And then other times you're spending 15 kilometers walking alongside or on a motorway and that is not so much fun. So for me, after we uh, we got off the Roman road and onto the San Abres, that's when I really started to uh, to enjoy things. Walking through mountains, um, a lot, still a lot of farmland, um, but with small villages dotted all around the place um, because it's so mountainous. I guess you have smaller plots yeah. instead of these large kind of 
um, modern farms where, mm. you know, you can, you can drive half an hour instead of walking a day to get to the end of your property. I think that's one of the big differences that we found between the walk that we did, which was mostly the Via de la Plata. It's kind of just known as the Via de la Plata, even though it includes the Camino San Andres and the um, Camino Frances, which was the one that goes across the north of Spain. Um, the Camino Frances goes through a lot of small towns and villages. So quite often you can start off planning a 20, 25 kilometre day, get to the end of your planned walk, and go, oh, well, you know, I think I'd like to go on a bit more and there's another village in seven kilometres. That's just not possible on the, on the Via de la Plata. Until you get to the Camino San Andres, then it's more possible. But uh, we found that at the beginning of the walk, for the first four weeks, our, our stages of walking would be either 20 kilometres or 35 kilometres. So we end up having much, much longer days than we were expecting. Yeah. And I don't think that really helped you. I mean, you got quite a lot of blisters. And so I wonder if there had been more towns, you would have felt better about it. Yeah, maybe. I think that's one of the things about going through Galicia that is quite appealing. Is I mean, some of the villages are smelly little things with three <laughs> people and 500 sheep jammed in the remaining houses. Yeah, we seen uh, that there were shitty little villages, and that wasn't actually an exaggeration no, because there was lots of poo all over the ground. <laughs> uh, we've just had a, a location change. The fridge decided it was going to make a buzzing noise, so we're now here in the uh, in the lighter and uh, and more open lounge. It's very it's, nice and sunny in here. It's great. So yeah, high quality studio production values here on the Indie <laughs> Travel Podcast, as al- always. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> so what was uh, one of your highlights, Linda, of doing the, the Via de la Plata? What, what stands out? Uh, well, as always, there were some days that were wonderful and some days that were terrible. I think one of the days that was wonderful was Easter. Remember, we, we set off in the morning and we walked and we were trying to work out if we were going to be able to have an Easter celebration. We'd missed out on the processions that we planned to see in Zamora because it had rained, they'd been rained out. And we ended up arriving in a town just as the, the bells were going to call people to Mass. So we decided to go to Mass. And uh, it was a small church. The service was being conducted by two women because the priest, I think he runs like seven villages, so he couldn't come. We ended up being part of a procession where two statues were t- t- taken out and, and brought around to meet each other. And then we went and had really good tapas in a, a little restaurant. And then afterwards we it was the best, one of the best stages of the walk. We walked through a little bush. We had to go climb up a hill instead of being flat for ages. It was like one person at a time kind of style. Very yeah. New Zealand style bush, for, I think. For me, it was the first bit of hiking we had done after walking for three weeks or something yeah. like that. So it really, uh, that was really special to me. And we were mm. walking alongside a dam. So we were along the river and then we climbed up to the top of the dam and had beautiful views out along the valley in both directions and that's yeah, right that and then we went a beautiful day we thought that there wasn't going to be anywhere to stop until we reached our next destination and then all of a sudden we were just talking about oh wouldn't it be nice when this next little village that doesn't have anything that there was a place we could stop for a glass of wine and then all of a sudden we saw a hand-painted coffee cup one kilometer I'm like oh my goodness really really <laughs> and we thought it would be a bar but actually what it was was a brand new albergue run by a south uh, south african missionary couple and they offered free tea and coffee if you just wanted to stop in and and have a chat and uh, yeah so we did and it was brilliant and then we went on no remember as we were leaving an elderly couple pulled up in a car with a a bag of apples for the uh the couple that were running the place and uh as we were saying our goodbyes and they were arriving the woman suddenly turned and looked at us and went you were the couple at the mass (laughs) 
I don't know, 150 or 200 people in this small um, small town church. We stood out like nothing else. Oh, yeah, even though we were trying to hide the back. Yeah, I think it was because we were about a foot taller than anyone else in the congregation. <laughs> yep, so we were remembered. And then we were given an apple each to take away, and we chugged on those while we were, while yeah. we were going. Then we arrived in our next destination where we went and had more really excellent tapas mm, and stayed food. in a very nice warm albergue with all of our friends who had known, who had met along the way. And it was just magic, magic. Yeah, it was a, uh, yeah, it was, it was just a, a perfect day with everything falling into place. Um, some beautiful hiking as well as a bit of road walking, some, some unexpected kindness. and I don't think we just, did any road walking that day. Yeah, we did. When we, uh, when we started off and then we were walking on concrete for quite a bit um, mm. before we got to the dam. Okay. So, yeah. Um, but it was, it was, yeah, a day full of surprises and unexpected kindnesses, I guess, um, that just really made it feel like something special. Yeah, uh, that's right. Something more than just a walk. What about you? I mean, obviously you enjoyed that day as well. What was another one of your days? Yeah. Um, or moments. There was there was a day that uh, Linda actually hated and I loved. Um, and on this day, we got up and it was looked like it was going to rain, like every day in the last three weeks. And either was raining or looked like it was going to rain. So we uh, we got dressed and got out the door and walked about a kilometre from one village to the next village, and then we started to climb, and we climbed and climbed for I don't know how long maybe an hour and a half it took a long way and from about the moment we started going uphill until we reached the peak it pelted down with rain it was the heaviest rain we experienced on the walk yeah uh with the exception of one other other day day. I think yeah yeah um and it just the skies opened you could only see at times you could only see about 10 meters in front of you the rain was so heavy Um, but I loved it because we had only done about a kilometer of walk on the road and then after we got out of the second village we were climbing up these mountain tracks and they were gravel or mud or this amazing stone staircase that lasted for about a natural stone staircase not not actual stairs yeah yeah just just the way that the rocks had formed. Um, it was about anywhere between one metre and four or five metres wide. And, and, you know, you could just kind of keep stepping up it, all uneven and all, all over the place. But um, just the perfect thing for climbing up this, this hill. Mm. And um, for me, it was just beautiful. Okay, I was soaked to the bone. I was numb. I was freezing. Um, but I was out in in the the beauty of of the walk and I wasn't in a town and I wasn't on a road and it just felt really good to me even though the weather was so terrible see for me the weather made it quite terrible but the other day that we had that really really terrible weather uh, we, we left the the albergue and I don't know we had about three or four kilometers which were fine and then suddenly it just started pelting down the wind was icy and freezing and awful mm. and it was just really really bad we made some very good decisions. We decided to walk along the road for a while instead of taking the, the more windy path. Yeah, and, and that saved us about four kilometres. It saved us a lot. So that meant we arrived at our next destination early and we saw a bar and we went to go to the bar and the bar was closed and we were in the pits of despair. 
But then I remember seeing a, a petrol sign, a petrol station sign, about 500 metres previously, and I was like, we'll just keep going and hopefully we can take shelter in the petrol station. And when we arrived at the petrol station, there was a hotel with a really nice bar, and we were like, yes, it had an open fire, and ah, it was absolutely <laughs> glorious. It was amazing. Um, yeah, just being able to go in and, and hang things up in front of the fire. I'm sure the, uh, yeah. the bar staff weren't that happy, but... They were quite happy because we've spent quite a lot of money in the establishment. And then after we, well, we looked at the weather forecast and decided to stay for an extra half hour because hopefully things were going to get better. And it did. When we left, we didn't have such a a nasty time of it. Mm. Got all the way to Lubyan, where we had a rest in the albergue. And then we're trying to decide. We'd only done, what, 17, 16, 17 kilometres at that point. But we had done it walking into 45 kilometre an hour winds with... Sleet and rain and yeah, yeah, but we were still in pretty good spirits. Temperatures. (laughs) We were still in pretty good spirits. We dried off a lot, and we were trying to decide: did we want to go the next? I think it was twelve kilometers onto the next town, Mm. which would make it more of a an average day rather than a really really short one. And the other thing to think about was that we had to go up and over a big hill. That was that was the next stage. A mountain, I think. We were climbing about six hundred meters, something like that. Between four hundred and six hundred. Yeah, it was quite a lot. And um, so we looked at the weather forecast, and it looked like the weather forecast for that afternoon was good, and the next day was going to be not good. So we thought, well, it might be better to do this mountain climbing now. So we decided to keep going, and that, that section was magic. It was absolutely magic. Yeah, that was, yeah, one of the best, best experiences, those three hours. Yeah. Now, by that stage, I was seriously in limping mode. Uh, my ankle had given out, and... My blisters, which had been healing up over the last week, were were sore. So, all right, this is going to be painful, but it's going to be a lot nicer doing it in, in clear, cold weather than doing it in windy, rainy weather tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and the people we talked to the next day who did do it the next day... <laughs> got drenched. They got drenched, and they didn't enjoy it very much. They said yeah. it was really hard. And for us, it was magic. It was, was, a, it was a bit of a challenge. Part. Like it was, yeah. it was uphill, but it didn't feel hard. Like We'd had uphills that felt like uphills. This one just felt interesting. Yeah. And we saw a lot of deer. Mm. Um, what sort of deer were they called? They were called cordos, I think, in Spanish. They're these little deer. Actually, when I first saw Torzos, one... Torzos, I thought. Hmm? Torzos. No, I can't remember. Mm. And, but they were really cool. And we saw a group of them kind of skitter across the path in front yeah. of us. Yeah, one of them was running towards us and realized we were there and put on the brakes. <laughs> it looked quite a lot like Bambi on ice. <laughs> <laughs> it was amazing. And uh, no one else in the group that we were with had seen any of them. We saw six, Mm. so we were quite happy about that. And uh, we got to the top of the hill, and there was low clouds, so we didn't get the best views. But at least it wasn't raining, we didn't get wet. It was quite funny. We were looking at this viewpoint. There was just another, I don't know, eight or ten metres up from where the path went over the saddle. And Linda's like, I'm going to go and have a look. I'm going to sit down and have fun. <laughs> so no, Linda I, went up to the viewpoint and saw all of the grey as far as she could see. No, no, I could, I could see things, but it just wasn't as, as vast as you might have thought. But yeah, but that was that was beautiful. And, and once again, I really liked it because we were away from people, away from the roads. At times we were walking up stream beds and things like that. And because there had been such heavy rain... Um, a lot of the path was flooded. Like it had been raining for a solid 10 days by this point. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. You were basically we were walking along of, the middle of a river. Kind of ankle deep in water. And um, there were these big marble or granite slabs down the middle of the path. Mm-hmm. And we had seen these earlier. 
I'm like, what idiot put these big slabs down the middle of the path while we're, they're kind of up at knee height and we're walking along uh -huh. beside them going, what's, what's the one? point in this? Yeah, yeah. and we, we saw the point. <laughs> we found out in the second, uh, yeah, second half of the Camino yeah. as we were walking on those and the water mm -hmm. was still kind of an inch up our shoes <laughs> as we walked along these, uh, these big uh, concrete, well, not concrete, these big stone blocks in the it middle was cool. of the path. It was really cool. It was, it was a great day, real adventure. I guess we're we're running a bit low on time, but some of the things that that we found that would have been uh, been helpful to better prepare us for this walk, <laughs> just in case you're uh, you're thinking about doing it. One would be well, I mean, you're always going to get gear failure in a trip like this. You're always going to have something that doesn't act as you expect. In my case, I've got a, a pair of shoes that turned out to be blister machines. Um, they were really I'd, bad. I'd had them for six months and I'd walked around with them and I'd hiked in them, but I hadn't hiked day after day after day. So whatever shoes you're going to take on a trip like this, you want to do at least a, say at least 70 kilometers over three days of mm -hmm. getting up and putting on the same pair of shoes and walking 20Ks in it, minimum. Yeah. And also just to prepare yourself. I mean, obviously you need to get your gear and, and use it, but you need to be prepared to walk. And a lot of people do preparation, and we did some preparation. We did some walking back home in New Zealand. But you really need to do multi-day multi walks. walks. That was one thing that we realized, because just getting up and going and walking for 20 or 30 kilometers is all very well, but it's the next day that's hardest. Mm. So if you can do a multi-day walk or even just make yourself over a weekend walk one day and then walk the next day. And yep. then the next day, get up and walk five kilometers before work or something like that. Whatever yeah. you can do to get the, the feeling of getting up and walking again yep. is really important. Yeah, and I think that's where you find out what's, what's working. Certainly for your feet, your ankles, your knees. Um, because I hadn't had many problems or any problems really with these shoes prior to that. But um, I really had problems. And walking on roads as well. Yeah, like we weren't expecting we, it to be so hard. We prepared by walking in forest tracks and things like that. Because mm -hmm. that, for me, is going out hiking. Yeah. Um, but the Via de la Plata, uh, Linda reckons it's less. But I reckon about 45 to 55% of it, you're walking on asphalt or concrete. Um, which is really quite tough on your joints. Um, in the soles of your feet. Yeah, in the soles of your feet. So you really I, notice it. Uh, yeah. I managed to switch shoes after about 500, 550 kilometers, something like that. Because another thing is there's not many sports shops mm. on the walk. Quite often you're walking through small towns, which has a bar and may or may not have some kind of general store slash supermarket. That's right. So you're very, it's not like you can just pop down to the shop and, and get yourself a new North Face bag or a new mountain hardware jacket or a new pair of you know nike yeah. run, uh, hiking shoes you're, you're stuck with what you start with with very few exceptions if you are planning to do one of these caminos it's a good idea to plan your route so that you go through a big city after three or four days mm. so that you can restock yep. because <clears throat> we certainly found after three or four days there were things we needed yeah like craig managed to lose his towel uh, yep. halfway through i need a new shoes after what about 200 kilometers? They got a, so a hole in the sole, unfortunately. Yeah, your shoes just died. Uh, just bits and pieces, things like that that you might not realize that you, re that you yeah. need. We needed to buy a pocket knife. We got that before we left, but we really needed it. Um, 
Craig could have done with some more waterproofing after his jacket failed. That was really terrible. Yeah, I've had my jacket for about five years now, and it's been amazing. It's, it's a really it's, good jacket. It's kept me dry through some amazing, uh, amazing storms, actually. Um, but it just decided that the time had come for it to stop being waterproof. So I found this out after a day in the rain, and I took it off and suddenly realized that the inner part of the jacket was wet. I realized that my t-shirt was wet, and that's why I had been so cold for the last three hours. And unfortunately, and then I it was realized the day that after. my iPhone was wet. Oh, no. <laughs> and then the next day was when we woke up, and it was raining heavily, and we said, let's just have a coffee and wait five minutes and see if it, uh, see if it clears up a bit while we're having our coffee. And that's when it started to snow. And that's there's right. nothing like having a wet t-shirt, a wet warm jacket inner which stops being warm when it gets wet and a wet outer jacket when you're going out in temperatures where it's snowing and of course so, this was all right after we left the two big cities of the route yes and, and we didn't have a hope of another big city for another yeah, what, yeah, 300 like kilometers the next outdoor store is in santiago de compostela as we finish that's it so i had uh yeah about 400 kilometers of yeah, 350, 400 kilometers of walking without waterproofing when it rained heavily every single day. Yeah. So um, that kind of thing is stuff you want to you check out. Yeah. But we did have some massive successes as well. Uh, one thing we did really well with was technology. Mm-hmm. Um, we bought a, a GPS application for the iPhone called Gaia GPS. And uh, you can download certain maps like open street maps and cloud made cycle paths and things like that so sitting in seville we downloaded huge chunks of spain in map form uh, about two gigs of maps but it meant when we were out in the middle of nowhere we knew exactly where we were Mm -hmm. and it really helped us to make some good decisions along the way yeah we had some guidebooks as well we had the um guide to the via de la plata from the confraternity of saint james which is an organization based in England and we'd used their book for the Camino Francaise and we'd really liked it it worked really well for us so we bought the equivalent book for, for the Via de la Plata and unfortunately it didn't work very well for us it didn't have the right information and it it had some pretty big failings like wrong information so we decided we couldn't really trust it luckily I d- downloaded um, a website from, called Godos Alco that had a lot of information about the the route as well it was in Spanish and it was more for me to just practice my Spanish but it ended up being a really good source of information mm. between the two of them we could see where the next town was going to be and we'd look on the GPS put a way mark in and we could see more or less where we had to go and that was really helpful yeah it was it was great so one of the things that made a huge difference for us certainly in terms of technology was having um, a weather app called Swackit and the thing that we liked most about it was the fashion advice <laughs> okay maybe not the great thing about it was sometimes they had fashion advice for dogs what your dog should wear sometimes there was the cat once there was legolas legolas in a a coat you know like a a flowing cape yeah i like the fact that was asterisks and the footnote was something like not suitable for all weather events (laughs) (laughs) it's great but, um, yeah, the great thing about Swackit was that it could use the GPS to find the nearest weather station, and then from that it would give us kind of an hour-by-hour forecast. So we could 
get in somewhere in the pouring rain and, and look. And if we saw it was going to improve for an hour, well, we just have another glass of wine and wait till the weather improves. Mm. And, that that uh, really worked for us at least twice. I remember yeah. when we were in Granja, it was because we were deciding whether we wanted to stay there for the night because the weather was so bad. Yeah. And we decided, no, it looked like it was going to improve and it did. We ended up having really beautiful weather. We just waited it out for another kind of two hours yeah. and then left. And we, and we got a little bit wet. Hours, yeah. But in the end, it was quite dry. And a lot of people who would be walking with it just braved it out and walked the whole thing. And they said, oh, it was a miserable day, terrible, terrible. Because they'd walked most of it in the rain. They'd arrived before the rain had really stopped. Yeah. Whereas and we, we sat in a bar and, uh, and waited. Yeah. <laughs> and the same thing with that horrible day when we went out in the sleet and mm. heavy, heavy winds. We arrived at the bar soaking wet and saw that if we just waited an hour, things were going to improve. And we ended up having a very nice afternoon, actually. Yeah, yeah, it really, it really cleared up. And, and I think the biggest one was that day where we had the a kind of a three-day period and we were trying to work out, it was towards the end of the walk. Oh, yeah, we, we could finally do what we wanted, which was to walk 27 kilometres a day. Like, that was the average. And like yeah. Linda said before, most of the time we had to do like 18 to 20 or 35 because of where the towns were. And we were finally in the area where there was enough towns and enough accommodation to do, 20 to, to, 27. Do, to do that kind of 27 kilometres every day. However... Then we found out that our information was wrong. And one stage that we were planning on doing that we thought was going to be about 20, 22 k's was actually only going to be 14, 14 yeah. which was a big difference. We had to decide, do we want to do 14 or go on for another 15? So it was going to be 29. Yeah. So we arrived in the bar after the 14 kilometres, no break, that was a bit of a difficult one. So we had a coffee before making any decisions. And we kind of decided we were going to stay. Then we looked at the weather for the next day. Yeah, and the weather for the next day was pouring rain. The it was going to be the worst day. Worst day. A storm coming in the whole day in just torrential rain. And we went, stuff that, yeah. let's get walking. And then the next day we can just walk kind of 10 kilometers. It's about two hours from one town to the next town. Mm. Just have a day off, basically. So yeah. we, we will be walking, we will be in the rain, but it will be 10 kilometres and that will be it. Yeah, and we'll get inside and we'll get warm and we'll have a big lunch and we can sit in bed and read a book. And yeah, and so that's what we did. We we decided to keep going. We walked the extra kilometres, which was, instead of being 15, it was 18, but that was all right. And uh, we got a little bit wet, but that was okay too. It was a lot drier than the next day because the next day we woke up and we could hear the rain pelting down. We used the weather app to work out when was going to be best to leave. It wasn't really going to be best any time, but we managed to find a short short pause. And within two kilometres we were soaking wet anyway. But knowing that we were only going 10 kilometres really made a big difference. So we got there, we we were staying in a private accommodation, so we had our own room, which was nice, with a heater. Uh, We put everything on to wash and went out to the supermarket, bought a whole bunch of food and just hung out mm. in the in the apartment all afternoon. It was brilliant. We got we watched a video and just nothing. Yeah. And we talked to a lot of our friends who were also walking and a lot of them got stuck in the storm and they just had the most miserable day ever. Some of them thought about giving up. Yeah, you know, and just just like two days, three days away from the final destination yeah. were like I I they were thinking about getting in a bus. And just taking it and to the end I, of You've walked for five weeks, and it's, you know, like... But they weren't sure about the weather. That was the thing. And if it was going to be continuing like that for the next three days, it was going to be totally miserable. miserable. But luckily, because we knew it was just that one day, we could make our plans around it, and we did. We we had a great day. Brilliant, brilliant. That was... That was really awesome. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, yeah. So, I mean, that's some, some stuff that we did well and poorly, I guess, with preparation and equipment. It was an amazing experience. It was great to do with you, obviously. And 
it was good. It was really fun. And I think anyone who, who's thinking about doing it should do it. Mm. But prepare. Get yeah. the right gear. Look online. There's heaps of yeah. information about gear lists. And, and probably read up about the track more than we did so you're mentally prepared for it. That yeah. was something I, I wasn't ready for so much road walking, mm. uh, physically or mentally. And that kind of broke me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think prepare your body and prepare your mind and uh, get your gear sorted before you go. Because we we kind of took it a lot more casually than we should have, which is our style. And it was okay. It worked out all right. But it would have been better if we'd done a bit more research. Uh, There's enough infrastructure there to to do that and be safe as Mm -hmm. long as you've got a reasonably good guide. Oh, thinking of of guides and books and things, um, maybe we'll put some on the website, but the the movie The Way is about a guy that walks the Camino Francaise, and although it's a bit too... It's a bit simplistic and a bit cheesy. Yeah, and and no one spends like an hour a day massaging their feet and popping blisters and trying to, you know, like all that real stuff, like washing clothes and trying to find out when when the shop's open because they're only open for like two hours in the evening because it's a Sunday or you know what? The, the, you found the, some shops that were open on a Sunday <laughs> or the shop I never forget the instructions we get got to go to a shop in one place and we went there and there was nothing it was just a residential street and we went back later with someone else who knew where it was and it was just a house. You just had like, to knock. Like there was no, there was no signage. There was no nothing. You just had to knock on the door and hope the owners were home to go in and do your shopping. Magic. And, um, yeah. So that kind of level of difficulty isn't quite referenced, but it's worth a watch. It's, yeah, we watched it on the last day on the. Or wasn't yeah. the next day? We watched it on the it was, Saturday night. Yeah, it was the day after we arrived. We thought we'd better watch it. It's worth a worth it was a look. Fun. Um, the confraternity of Saint James produces. Uh, Pilgrim guidebooks, and I wouldn't recommend the Via de la Plata one, but the no. Camino Frances we found really useful. And there's lots and lots of information online. Um, I can't remember the name of the website, but there's lots of information if you do some searches yeah. and download for you. There's not a I, lot of I, apps or anything like that. Unfortunately, I found one app, but it just didn't didn't have the level of information I, I wanted. Yeah, but so you're uh, kind of save everything as pdfs and, and yeah. keep it somewhere or print it all out there's lots uh, of amigos was, yeah one thing that was useful i was going to say was the the amigos in um amigos is like the the friend groups and the the non-profit groups that kind of support people that are doing the walks mm-hmm. the one that's in Sevilla published a, a really good kind of flip chart which had their recommended sections and and showed like where you're walking and where the albergue is and the private accommodation and the hotels and the shops and the bars, everything like that. And that seemed to be... It didn't quite do a route description, but it gave you a really good idea of what each bit of the track was going to be. And I'd seriously pop into their office in Sevilla and pick that up before you went. Yeah, I think that was a good idea. I mean, there's lots of these these fringe... What are they called? The Amigos de... Santiago. I think so. There's something like that. And they've got lots of offices. There's lots of different... Actually, there's lots of different groups. Yeah. Lots of different. And so they've got different um, offices in different places that you can visit, buy the books, and uh, get advice. Yeah. yeah. But it's definitely cool to do, and it's definitely cool to uh, to be back and back podcasting again. So thanks for uh, waiting out the break, and uh, thanks to everyone who did cool things like clicking on ads or buying insurance or buying through our Amazon links. 
and uh, and buying our books while we were offline and uh, and not talking to you very much. We really appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, it, it does make a, a huge difference. It means we're able to keep producing the show, so it's yeah. awesome. So thank you, and uh, I guess we'll be speaking to you again next week. Yeah. Um, how, how novel is that? I know. We actually can say, in, in all honesty, that's us for this week. And until next week, travel well.